Welcome to Critical Ditto, a Pokemon role-playing podcast that you are listening to, and we love you. And here at Critical Ditto today, we're we're at the adoption centre with all the lovely, cuddly creatures, and we're going to pick ourselves a friend today. On my left is Ali. Who have you found there, Ali, in the in the adoption centre today? Oh, I'm looking. I'm looking at this one right here, Stu. He says his name is Kenny Mullet. Oh, he's just adorable. I mean, he creeps me out just a little bit, and wow, does he need a shower? But <laughs> he is very, very sweet. I feel like he's quite a, a haunted yet a kind and empathetic young man from Comover Town, and he says he's on this weird quest to find out more about his weird superpowers. But he is being followed by this posse of little creatures. He calls this Dartrix Bowtie. He calls this Gyarados Mustache. He has this little lizard salandit called Hoops. He has a massive crow, Honch Crow, called Fedora. Most terrifying of all, I think it's been staring into my soul, a Spiritomb called Swirly. Also in the back, I can see my good friend Tom. Hiya, Tom. Hi, hi. Sorry, sorry, Ali. I'm just, I'm busy fighting off this feral pink-haired parrot I seem to have adopted. Um, <laughs> I think her name's Brandy. Uh, she also has a coterie of general dangerous animals around. One of them is a lopony called Wimpy. Another is a Scroopy called Gary. Then there's this Munchlax, which I think is a bear. We decided a bear type <laughs> creature uh, called Snorleone. Also a Bunnelby, who's a doctor, apparently. He's wearing a lab coat. A Meltan called Flower. Pass it over to uh, to, to David, who who looks to be looks to be somewhere in the in the. Uh, Somewhere over there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm going to need an instant replay on that. Tom, be honest, were you trying to think of places in an adoption centre and then went, I've got nothing. (laughs) I'm going to say that in slow motion for me. That was amazing. (laughs) Let's watch my favourite part again. Shall we? Who who looks to be, looks to be somewhere in the, in the, uh, somewhere over there. Trying to know the places I thought. I thought, what's another place in an adoption centre? Don't know anywhere in an adoption centre. The roof! And then I thought, I can't do that to David. David's got his own plan. Just trust David's plan. Just say, just just throw it to easy ball. Easy. Oh, amazing. We'll cut that so I look a lot better in the... Uh, in well, the- I don't no, think we won't. Happen. No, no, no. We will not do that. <laughs> Guys, I've just... I'm not usually a pet person, but I've found this ancient non-binary beagle over here, and I just... Oh, <laughs> they just warm my heart. They, they keep writing that they're name is Theo and that they've written 33 different theses in the in the ground which could only be connected I presume to being a caustic former member of some sort of scholastic religious order but I, I can't say for sure. Alongside this strange and dour looking creature there is a uh, anthropomorphic cartoon yoga instructor named Medicham I hear, a hairdressing fossil uh, known as Cabbage the Kabuto, an R&B singing jet plane known as Togekiss apparently. There's a large shellfish based creature that seems to be mainlining beer from a keg called a barbarical, a small and scrappy bee-like creature known as Jason the Combi, and a august and stern looking caterpillar in some kind of leafy robe known as Hillary the Swadloon. Oh, what a lovely coterie of animals we have all assembled here today. Now, I know you're all excited to get your pets home, and all I ask is that you now just pay the adoption fee, which is £800,000. But you're also bonded. I know know you'll take it. You'll take them, won't you? In lieu of the adoption fee, can I just show you what happened last time? Yes. Previously on Critical Ditto. Previously on Critical Ditto. Oh god, that sounds way too naughty. Previously. Critical Ditto. Why are we whispering? You like this, boys? You like having to pick between the 3,000 ones that I can't make a decision between? I do this for you. Pay $10 for this. Kenny, you're falling. Backwards. A dizzying array of colours and shapes assails your vision. Then it all stops. You immediately recognise your surroundings. The ever-burned tree. This time, very much not on fire. What are you doing out here, boy? Gratuitous candle. Sloking left us only days ago, leaving the world in disarray and people undecided as to what to do with the King's Rock. So the Shamanic Council have met to decide what to do with the King's Rock. If you're about to have an important meeting, I wouldn't mind if I could participate. Perhaps this boy was sent here by Sloking. I don't know whether to destroy it, or I don't know whether to keep it and use it, and I wonder whether maybe that boy can help. Gratuitous is the one currently in the possession of the King's Rock. Kenny goes up to the tree and picks up the King's Rock. Maybe Kenny communes with Sloking. Kenny, you feel your own body, your own soul start to make way. What you're seeing 
is a mine palace. You see the back of a Sloking in resplendent gold. Although you don't see Sloking's mouth move, you hear words in your head. I am so sorry. I didn't expect it to be you, but I suppose it was always meant to be. You feel this ivory white room start to dissipate. Where a king's rock was in your hands, now is just this small cloud of dust. The king's rock is gone. What on earth have you done? You have started a conflict that will not cease. And they fire this fist towards you, but it goes through you. And Kenny, you're no longer there. And Gratuitous Candle has punched the ever-burned tree, and it has ignited into the most brilliant blaze. That blaze will not stop. How long it took, you don't know, but you once again find yourself back in the prisoner transport car. The gas is completely gone. Several days before she'd ever set eyes on Brandy, Theo, and Kenny, Vipen stood in the warden's office of the core prison, her back to her desk, and her gaze focused solely on a picture frame hanging on the wall of the office beside her. Three women, from three different generations, stood smiling back at her, the youngest being herself. Strong arms hooked her in a loving headlock as her mother and grandmother threw giant grins at the lens. Her finger began inadvertently twirling her long, plaited red hair, as fond memories of the matriarchs of the Vipen family preceding her flooded her mind. Strong, powerful women, who as wardens, had ruled over this icon of Formian history for generations. The Vipen family and the legacy of the core were inseparable. She turned the photo in its frame and looked at the familiar note on the back. To my special girl, on her first day as warden, I know you're nervous, but remember, this prison is in your bloodline, and nobody can take that away from you. Love you always, Mama V. Warden Vipen scoffed at the end of the note and looked out of the window in her office at the prison floor below. Her eyes swiftly moved around the layers visible from the office window, looking down through the vastness of the core's open cavity. She knew each structure, each holding cell, each storage locker like the back of her freckled hand. And yet, this was no longer her prison. Across the first layer, the usual eclectic mix of League trainers acting as prison guards had been replaced by a homogenous mass of Team Helsing trainers, kitted out in freshly pressed black uniforms with dark pine-green armbands depicting their crossbow decal. She watched them gather in tight formation as an incredibly tall figure in long-furred garments began to walk amongst them. The man, whose colour palette resembled that of the oily fungal swamps of the mushroom forest in South Formia, strode through the ranks of trainers, stroking an incredibly long beard, which started black close to his face and bled into a mossy, putrid green at its tips. On top of his head, he wore a tight-fitted military cap with ebony horns affixed to the brim. Vaan, the leader of Team Helsing, conducting one of his many inspections. Magnazone. Warden Vipen jumped to see her Magnazone hovering at the window next to her, its single eye trained with contempt at the figure of Vaan still sweeping between his lackeys. He's more concerned with the shrine of their buckles than with anything going on in the layers below, Vipen muttered. Vipen returned her gaze to the picture on the wall her mother's smiling face staring unblinkingly back. I'm sorry, mother. This prison meant something with you. I... I don't think I'm strong enough. I don't think I ever was. Vipen gripped the frame of the picture hard, letting the wood dig into her nails. She let her emotions get the better of her, inadvertently shattering the glass in the frame and letting tiny shards fall softly to the carpet below. She stood there for a minute or two, Small strands of red hair had torn themselves from her otherwise immaculate plaited ponytail. Magnazone. Magnazone had refocused their eye on the window. What do you mean he's not there anymore? Where's he gone? Knock, knock. A rap on Vipen's office door. She took a sudden intake of breath and straightened herself up. She tucked her crisp white shirt into her straight tan pants and brushed her wayward strands of hair behind her ears. Come in. The door opened with a delicate intensity. A long-fingered hand revealed itself on the door handle, and following it was the form of Vaan, far taller now in person than he had been looking down from her elevated office. Miss Vipen, I have just completed my inspection of the Helsing trainers stationed here. Vaan paused. Vipen found herself holding her breath. They are in excellent form. At the rate that we are locking up those fiendish poker powers, 
The core has become the first line of defense in keeping Formia safe. It follows that we should have only the best stationed here. Does that mean that you will be leaving the core now? Ventured Vipen, hopefully. Leave? Oh no, Miss Vipen. My work here has only just begun. I am going to be conducting all League military operations from here now. And in order to keep standards as high as they need to be, I shall become Acting Warden as well. Vipen felt the colour drain from her face. Her lower jaw slipped open. You... you, you can't. Varn wheeled on Vipen in a flash. Can't what, my dear? He smiled with yellow teeth, stained from a lifetime of opulent cigars. Vipen swallowed her rage, feeling her face turn a similar colour to her hair. What will be my role? Prisoner transport, I think. Safety on the way to the core is vital in these troubling times, no? Steeled as she was, the insulting demotion hit Vipen with more venom than a drapion sting. Of course, you could always vacate your position entirely, Varn offered wispily. A moment akin to an eternity passed for Vipen, as she weighed fully the wounds to her pride with the extent of her duty. That won't be necessary. Then that will be all, Miss Vipen. Varn drawled as he once again bowed those gleaming black horns in her direction and made to leave the room. Varn continued to sweep out of the room, but Vipen's gaze did not follow him. It found itself instead focused on the broken picture frame glass at her feet, the shattered remnants of a family legacy now littering the floor. So we open on the mountainous rocky path, the road leading towards the core, where I was going to say last time out, not quite last time out, but last time we saw Brandy and Theo at least, we had the massive colossal stampede that Theo was able to divert using the power of Slowpoke's rain dance and protect Brandy, the Slowpoke, and Warden Vipen from the encroaching stampede. Theo had offered Vipen a hand to their feet, and Vipen was left stunned but what we're going to do is actually we're, we're also a thousand years in the future <laughs> so, that's cool i don't know i just thought as with kenny last time went to the past would be fun yeah yeah, yeah theo jumped a thousand years in the future theo you are a robotic head you were climbing around <laughs> on spider legs uh, but back in present day what do you think brandy and theo are going to say in this scene with warden vipen uh the slowpoke and this uh i spent lightning lightning mcqueen the car coal is still hanging around well, and the, and the head of the Colossal, right? Yes, and the, the one with the shiny metal cape. Well, I guess there's still one left for us to have to sort out. Brandy, you do the honours. I sorted out the other 3,000. Okay. You, <laughs> you, did it, you did it very much with my help. I would I would say this now. But... <laughs> yeah, okay. Colossal. What are you doing with this Colossal? Well, I take out my Infern cape and I put that on. And I say... <laughs> the Colossal shrugs and goes, Colossal, great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not how I thought that was going to go. I thought that there would be more admiration for a fellow I'm, cape I'm wearer. I'm sorry, what was this, a cape con? What, what do you want from me? I come in peace. Colossal. I like your cape. I too have a cape. I know you've scoffed at it before, but really have a look at it and admire the detail and think to yourself, I can't believe that's a cape. I can't believe that that works as a cape. It's impressive. Just think about that. Yes, Stu, if you could please say Colossal again, but this time convey that he's saying, I can't believe that's a cape. I can't. I can't. The, the, the depth is just not there. Brandy, what are you? What are you doing here? What? Are, what? We've been asking questions since episode one, mate. <laughs> we let Stu talk for fifteen minutes, and no, no one questions where he's going. But me, I get what five lines, and then that's it. I'm get sorry. to the chase, Tom. Phrasing, Make a roll. Phrasing, Make Tom. a roll. What is your intention here? I'm not getting anywhere with the colossal. I can tell that now. This guy is stubborn. So I'm going to turn to Lightning McQueen. Hey, Lightning McQueen. Can you tell your dad to be cool? If you manage to keep your dad cool and tell him that we're cool, I promise that we can go faster than ever before. We are going to become the fastest human Pokemon duo anyone 
has ever seen. Because when me and Theo were riding atop of you, we felt the speed, the wind in our hair, and I loved it. I was exhilarated. And I felt like you've never gone as fast as that before. But I think there's still more in the tank. Roll plus charm. Roll plus charm, eh? Brandy's a plus seven in charm, so that's good. (laughs) I suddenly feel like that wasn't a real laugh. Brandy's a plus one in charm. (laughs) 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 Oh, it's a success, but a mixture of a success. Two and a four plus one, so seven. Carcole wheels up to you, Brandy. Oh, it's My... like a young Gary Smoke. This is no, it's no. I'm. I'm. No, I should. I guess I should be like Owen Wilson. Wow, Ali, Car- can you give me a Carcol? Wow, Carcol. This is not wow. sustainable. Wow, 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 wow. Where's this going, Stu? <laughs> <laughs> is, is this, this a who's that Pokemon? <laughs> it's <laughs> Owen Wilson. <laughs> Wow. wow, this this is not sustainable. Wow, wow, wow. 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 it's not sustainable. Fossil wow. fuels are not sustainable. DFS. Carcol. Which wow. Carcol's looking at you, Brandy. How? How do I know you are my partner in speed? What is it about you that makes you and me the speed twins? I mean, I'm sad that Carcol's looked at the cape and not immediately thought that, that you know we could be the speed twins. I want to see how fast you can run, Brandy. <laughs> I want you to run as fast as you can. I want to see how much that cape billows, okay? No, Brandy's going to go one better. Oh. We're on a little scree slope, right? Okay. Can we say that Magnazone fainted through sheer fear or fighting off too many colossal? Uh, I'm just thinking whether it's that's sort of fair on Vipen to just be like, oh, what are your Pokemon fated? What think- are you looking for, Tom? Are you looking to, like, surf or something? Exactly. Ooh. That's also a massive disrespect on Vipen. But hey, if you want to do that, go for it. To you take could her, say... fainted, her fainted Pokemon <laughs> surf and surf it, it down, down a, a rocky surface. <laughs> I don't think she's going to take kindly to it. I just, I'm going to warn you there. Just going to throw that out there. Didn't we say there was some sort of like... No, no, no. No, Ali. I'm going to oh. surf on this Magnazone. Brandy has established that she doesn't like Warden Vipen and so wants to make a statement right now. So she's going to kill two birds with one stone here and she's going to take... The fainted Magnazone against its will. Well, I think. I think. First of all, you should roll to see whether Magnazone is fainted, or the, you're you're attempting to ride a okay. very much, a very do, much what, up Magnazone. What do I roll? Roll a d20, and it's it's a it's a binary. What am I saying? Just flip a coin. Roll twenty doesn't have the flip a coin function. We need to go on flipcoin.com. Okay, I'm going to roll a d20, Stu. Tell me what means what. Okay. Odd. He's fainted. Even he's fainted. <laughs> odd. Odd. He's fainted. Evens. He's up. Come on, 17. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. You saw that, listener. You saw and heard Stu's desperate attempt to railroad the player character into doing what he wants. But no, the dice allow Brandy to okay. take. All right, let's play this take... out, Tom. Let's play this out. Hi, Brandy. Uh, your name was Brandy, wasn't it not? I, I thought you was... were stunned. The one, who was, I... the one who was I desperately believe... attached to the, the gene man earlier. Uh, why? What are you doing? You're approaching me. I'm just trying to look after my fainted Pokemon who went down in this battle. I, I really hope they're okay. And, you know, they probably need some desperate medical care. But uh, what what are you doing? I'm coming back. I'll borrow, I'm just it... borrowing it for a second. I'm just... How... Bye! Bye! I think it's best if you just around. leave her to do it. It just is easier. <laughs> I just... She doesn't mean any harm most of the time. She did have a sword for a bit. Brandy, what are you doing? And then I bodyboard on the <laughs> Magnazone down the scree slope at an insane speed. I, I despair. I despair. <laughs> you despair. This is cool stuff. R- roll. Oh, my God. I, I so wish I could give you disadvantage right now. Uh, roll. Act under pressure. Plus cool. Thank yep. goodness. Brandy is plus two in cool. It's a nine. Five plus two plus two. Mixed success. Mixed success. All right. Yeah, you get down the scree slope really fast, but you go off the edge at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Can we say the mixed success is that Magnazone wakes up midway through? I mean, yeah, I think gives you a proper good jolt. Magnazone's been faded, wakes up, is riding down a scree slope on their belly. Brandy, you're looking cool. Going fast. You're probably going about the sort of the, the speed of a land combi, I would say. A land combi. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the, that. the wingless variant. Theo would know that very well. Sounds like, like the worst Pokemon. Just, just three <laughs> Oh, oh my God, heads. Reed, I, I, I found a combi in the wild. No, no, I, I'm just a land combi. Oh. <laughs> okay, are you like combi? Yeah, no, no, I'm not. I don't have any wings. Uh, I still have the weird three head thing, though. Yeah, okay. Can you Can you do anything? Nope, uh, don't, um, nope, don't have any Pokemon No, I have no moves. I have zero moves. Uh, I evolve into a maggot. <laughs> <laughs> Technically not a Pokemon. Um, Technically I'm like Lint. 
Brandy, you get shocked horribly when the Magnezone wakes up and take what what harm are you on? Can I can I think I give... your next harm will go make you unstable. Can I give you one then? Okay, yeah. well that's well, I guess so. I guess I'm dead. I guess Stu's killed me. His lust for blood will never end. I don't want to kill you. God damn. <laughs> God damn you. Where did you oh, take damage? Oh. It was perfect. It was I've I've played this perfectly because I've done a move that naturally you would take damage, but Stu doesn't want to kill me, so can't use that against me. Okay. Oh. Okay. I, maybe you can take emotional damage. Maybe 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 Oh. Could I tear your cape? Oh my god, yes, take oh, it. Oh yeah. I did not know the cape was okay, on the table. Brandy, That's Brandy, not fair. You no. Are, you are I'll take the harm, Stu. I'll take the harm. I'll take four harm. I'll die. <laughs> so cool, so fast. And Karkol is is wooed, is wooed by the speed you're achieving. You look down the slope and you see the Karkol's eyes are locked with yours. It's smiling, you're smiling, you're grinning. And then you hear a flutter from behind you, your cape. And it just gets trapped underneath one of the Magnezone's magnets. And it pulls back on your neck for a second, but then dislodges from behind you and is torn to shreds beneath the scree slope of the Magnezone and is left in tatters on the slope above you as you come slowly to a stop at the bottom of the scree slope. Whoa, Karkul! Karkul! Brandy's in floods of tears, looking at the infern cape that's in pieces. Karkul? Lightning McQueen, are, yeah. are you with me? Are you going to be with me? Because we need to avenge this this travesty. Gotta, gotta go fast. Gotta go fast. And we will go fast. We're going to go fast. And oh, there was a god of this world that caused this to happen. We will get our revenge. They're called Slow King. We've established this. <laughs> Brandy gets up on top of Lightning McQueen. They drive back up the top of the slope. Brandy, inconsolable, and stops off on the way up the slope, puts the infern cape down, says a few words. We had some good times together. The payback arc, the steam eruption arc, the sky attack arc, the beginning of this 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 part of the season, which I'm not sure what it's called yet, and then Carcoal sets the cape on fire. And Carcoal takes a minute, and the Colossal has also approached the top of the ridge. They have a father-son bonding moment where Colossal sees the speed that the Carcoal could achieve gives him a nod starts to roll down the other side of the hill off back to join the rest of the tribe leaving Carcoll on their own with you Brandy I take out a pokeball a la Ash Ketchum and just sort of tap it against the side of Lightning McQueen and Carcoll is captured it's huge I mean I had to take a big big sacrifice for that but are you okay Tom can we have a break if you've been affected by any of the issues in this podcast (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if you had that of clothing that was destroyed against your will in a fictional world of the universe. What's going on at the bottom of the slope? Well, for a lot of the previous scene, Theo and Vipen were stood in a state of what can only be described as mutual bemusement. But when the cape was burned, both of us, due to our dutiful roles, did sort of automatically give a little salute. Just out of pure duty. Vipen just stops for a second and just goes, how have I got here? <laughs> why, why, I, I used to be a serious character. I really did. Used to be... I, I, Deep down, I feel like maybe I still am, but I, it's a long way back. Vipen, Vipen, we all used to be serious characters once upon a time. <laughs> and, then, and then I got a, Fre- I got a French bouffalon, and my Magnezone became a surfboard. I'm really having to search my own soul here, because this is tough for me. If there's one thing I've learned, it is possible to be a complete joke, and also be incredibly powerful. Take it from me, Theo, the powerful one of the trio. Kenny somewhere has gone like, I'm pretty sure I just travelled back in time a thousand years. Yeah, I know what Kenny. I said. Vipen looks at you, Theo, and goes, ah, listen, I don't know what is going on here, but I need to go. I need to get back to the core because my prison, the prison, my family's prison, is under a greater threat than any stampeding carcoal. And if I'm not there to at least try 
and wrestle some control like I wrestle a French bouffalon under control on a rocky road, then the whole thing is kaput. It's lost. You, I've I already chalked you a lot up for dead. So as far as I'm concerned, you are dead. I don't need to see you again. I don't need to encounter you again. Warden Vipen, uh, as much as I despise the idea that the prison industrial complex in Formia is literally owned by a single dynasty of women, I I will put that aside briefly (laughs) to say that we have something that we need of you. And I mean, we just helped you quite a bit. You you need something from me? Yes. There's very little I can provide. You haven't actually heard the question yet, so let's not let's not call time of death before we've uh, seen the seen the court, shall we? <laughs> if you ever want your Magnus own back, you'll do what Theo says. I heavily recommend not listening to any threat she makes. She can't follow Theo on anything. I Literally really, can't. I really want to hurt that girl a lot. <laughs> oh, oh, believe me, I w- and I you get used to that. Kill her. If it wouldn't kill her, I would. <laughs> I really would. Oh, I've never identified to anybody's emotion more. Warden Vipen, we've heard from from the church. I'm a former member of the Church of Slaslow, as I sort of inarticulately tried to uh, wait, wait, say wait, to you for- earlier. A former member? I didn't think those existed. Well, um, I've been blazing my own trail for quite some time now warden vipen wow good for you thank you very much so we are currently trying to pursue the king's rock which you may have heard of it's sort of holy object in the church it's been sort of a life's goal for me and we think we are so close to finding out the last piece of information and we think it's a tome that might be being transported to your prison you mean in the chaplaincy because the church has been doing some crazy stuff recently that's what we may have maybe heard, but it also might be a ruse. And so I was wondering, could you? do you know anything either way? It's embarrassing for me to admit, but my day-to-day activities in the Corps have been reduced to mere show. I am there to be the Vipen remnant. I barely do anything there. Most of my days now are spent doing prisoner transports on the road. My actual knowledge of what's going on in the Corps is limited, especially with the Church. They're secretive at the best of times. Your best bet? Probably to get in there yourself. But the way I see it, there's only two ways of that happening. I can either take you in as prisoners, and there is no other way I'm taking you into that core because despite everything, I still have respect for my station and my duty. Or you can take your own chances and try and get in via the lower sanctum. And uh, what is the lower sanctum? core itself consists of layers. The deeper the layers, the more troubling the prisoner within. But the lower levels? They're a wild space. Untamed. They're barely even cells. It's basically just this kind of an eldritch landscape of wild savage Pokemon and kind of just surviving. And we, le- we just let them at it. We shut them in there, close the door, leave off. There are rumors of what goes on in there. Some people say that, that people have formed little colonies. Some others say that they've tunneled, but we like to shut the door and not ask questions and let nature take care of itself. You know what I mean? This is definitely not helping Theo's theory about that she shouldn't be running a a prison complex. (laughs) That is, we're going to take our most dangerous people and just shove them in a room. Not a room. Just, I just want to clarify. It's a wild area. You've invented the wild wild, area. It is a very wild area. (laughs) Wait, is that what the wild area is in Galar? Oh my God, I went in way too casually. Anyway, they say the lower sanctum, you can try and sneak in there if you wish, but all manner of hell waits for you there. Oh, believe me, all manner of hell is something that we have got quite used to, Warden Vipen. What's the route into this? How do we sneak in? Again, I do not have the exact route, but I'm fairly confident if you follow the car coal tunnels you might find a route right well um i'm glad that you own a prison that you don't know the architecture of again i should point out <laughs> prison industrial complex shouldn't be held in nepotistic family bonds but thank you warden vipen you have actually been a huge help so so wait am i taking you in the front door in chains or am i leaving you to it and pretending you're dead theo looks around for kenny and brandy and sees 
Brandy currently crying over a piece of burning fabric and uh, Kenny nowhere to be seen. And I think at this moment, Theo's just going to have to turn to the warden and go, I guess we're dead. I guess you are. Theo, don't make any decisions without me. I'm in a good place to make decisions. <laughs> I'm coming, I'll be there. <laughs> warden Vipen gives you a look, Theo. Enjoy the afterlife. And hops on her bouffalon, recalls Magnazone from beneath Brandy, and rides off down the road into the sunset. Oh, I really should have asked who took over that prison instead of her, but... Well, I guess we had our conversation in a very natural form, so onwards and upwards. Who's that Pokemon? I've just got to finish this paperwork on no, this, tell this me thesis about it. I'm writing. Tell me about it, the homework. Oh, Professor mean... Tom is saying to us that he needs it in tomorrow. We're going to have to put an all-nighter on this one. As his teaching assistant, I would prefer it if you didn't <laughs> pretend that I was one of you. I did grow the beard for just this occasion. Look, in, in Professor Tom's absence, uh, Professor Leavesley. I feel so we bad do... for Professor Leavesley, who is a full professor, but somehow is TAing <laughs> for Tom. He's a TA. Uh, what did well, you do, David? Stuart... What did you do? <laughs> No paperwork, that's the the answer. (laughs) Stu has been working so hard on our thesis. We've been working on it together. It's all about midsections. Stu, would you mind reading our midsection thesis? It's a group presentation, apparently. Welcome to the midsection. We are sans Tom today. Hopefully he's in the rest of the episode. We don't don't know yet. But this (laughs) is a midsection, and it is from Robert House. Hi, all. Firstly, I want to thank you for such a fun podcast. Its energy, care, humour and excitement has helped me de-stressed after long, crabby shifts in the ICU. Huge praise. Robert, thank you. Thank you for yeah. all your essential, essential work. That's incredible. And the fact that we can at all contribute to uh, improving your day is, is amazing. So yeah, thank you. Just promise us that you've not been listening to this whilst you've been in the ICU. <laughs> yes. Yes, I feel that might be distracting. Secondly, I have an idea for an item. That I feel will be a good fit. It's an item yes! submission. Get him. I love an item submission. Oh, Robert, you are two for two. Here we go. Introducing the Critical Ditto, a stunning pink crystal gem, roughly the size of a baseball, hanging on a leather strap. When the gem is worn, get this, it grants the wearer two powers. It will copy the powers of any poker-powered individual that is near the wearer and give them the same powers for a period of time. It also grants the wearer the ability to hold any item in one hand and have a perfect copy of the item in the other. My goodness. Obviously, what? such a powerful object is staunchly kept secret in the church. Very few are aware of its existence beyond myth, and even fewer have seen the fabled gem. Oh, I hope this gives you some inspiration. Keep up the wonderful work, Robert. Wow, I love it. That's such a good item. God, this is another one of those ones where I'm like, it's just better than the King's Rock. That <laughs> yeah, tr- that yeah. troubles me. It troubles me. The church are keeping this tucked away, but they're desperately hunting for something that evolves two Pokemon from Generation 2. <laughs> Can you just repeat what the of second course. power was? It grants the wearer the ability to hold any item in one hand, and then you've got a perfect copy of that item in the other. It's like a little 3D printer in your hands. So the copy survives once you remove the original from one hand. Oh. The copy would then be sustained. Or is it only an illusion that exists whilst you hold on to the original item? David, you make it sound like I've gone through preemptive testing when I'm, I'm really still in alpha with this item. I haven't really <laughs> put it through the full rigors just yet. I think, I, think we decide, I think we decide right now. All right, I want everyone to pretend they've got an item in their hand. Ali, what are you holding? A feather duster. I'm not yeah, going to put really, really dusty in here. Ooh. Just keep dusting. All right. Yeah. Get it up. Get up in the corners. Get those yeah, little right spinnerack webs. Okay. I'm now going to put the critical ditto over your head. Okay. It's now. It's on your neck. You're wearing the critical ditto. Ooh, what is in your left hand? Surprisingly heavy. And oh my god! There's another feather duster. That's incredible, David. How do we? Have you taken this down? Got the notes? I've taken everything I can from this experience. So, yeah. so can I just check? You've written down. Ali was dusting. Yeah, and then something was put around Ali's neck, and then he was dusting times two. David, you're so good at your job. You are so good. (laughs) With these two feather dusters, I can reach both corners of this very small room. That is a tiny room. (laughs) You're just a bird now. You're just a bird that sweeps. Okay, Ali, I'm now I'm now going to remove the critical data from your neck. We're going to see what happens to the duster. Okay, here we go. Sweeping in my left hand. Here we go. Sweeping in my left hand. Taking it out very carefully, not to mess up your hair. Oh no, my feather duster's gone. So it disappeared. I, okay. Wow. I was sweeping with my left hand and then it's gone. So I think you need to be holding the item and then adorn the critical ditto. And then it is it is there until it is then removed. So it's from almost it. like illusory. 
I could dust with those feathers all day long. Did the cobwebs just fall to the floor or did they disappear with the duster? Oh my goodness. Is there some kind of alternate dimension that the duster goes to when it served its purpose? Oh God. A a giant junk island. Maybe the critical ditto has a mind palace because it's so (laughs) enchanted. And inside that mind palace is all of the copies now erased from reality of all the objects that its wearer has touched. So inside is just a massive junk chamber. The the other part of the critical ditto is this whole thing about poker powers. Now, yeah. I my my thinking with the critical ditto is that is untested. I think that's that's part of the legendary section. That's part of the the fable of of the church is that some say there is a gem that will allow people to copy powers and use them momentarily. Do you know what? It sounds quite interesting though. Is it sounds like the sort of ultimate form of Theo's powders, mm. if that makes yes. sense. Yes. Rather yes, than rather than first. stealing from poker powered individuals, maybe maybe the critical ditto is the ultimate component to cast spells that are poker powered like. And actually, mm. if you have if you have the critical ditto, you can use it to almost cast anything. Is that too powerful? Yeah. But it's I think that's fair though, because that's may- like a transform, isn't it? Like that would it would give you the ability to use any move. Yeah. So and maybe mm. they say the the ultimate leader of the church maybe knows where it is. Well, I was thinking this. I think it is guarded by by the O. Either the, the O is the only one that has hidden it and is the only one that knows its location or is protecting it or is just wearing it at all times. Mm. I'm sorry, no matter how yeah. much I try to nerf this in my head, it's still an endgame iconic yeah. thing. I, 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 yeah. Robert, you have created a masterpiece of endgame game design and narrative storytelling and we will have to find this critical ditto at some point towards the end of the campaign. We have to. Mm. I th- I, f- I feel like I want to find the Critical Ditto more than I want to find the King's Rock. <laughs> oh, okay, Ali, here's the King's Rock. Let's move on. Here we go. We're on to the Critical Ditto now. You've got it. You've got it. <laughs> Can we just confirm that all of the items have that smiley Ditto face on them when they're created? <laughs> oh, yes. What, so the Feather Duster had a little Ditto face as you were dusting? <laughs> oh, the point. It was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, no, yeah, exactly. oh, please stop. Stop this. This is horrible. <laughs> Robert, thank you so much. What a wonderful, wonderful item. And uh, excuse me while I just tear up all my notes for the rest of the campaign, because this is this is it now. This is the new endgame. If you have an idea for a character, an yeah. item, a it- location, anything to submit to us, please send it in to criticalditto at gmail.com. And if you don't want to be stuck in the queue, which is quite long now, you can subscribe at the Pokemon Champion level on our Patreon and jump straight to the top of the queue and get your submission just just snuck in there like a like a Christmas card under the mat. Ah, that's no, that was a terrible analogy. But it is seasonal. <laughs> yeah. For this episode that will air in, in oh, Cordy, what, like, happy, happy sunny, sunny July. <laughs> so, uh, Professor Leavesley, why what did you make of our uh, our first draft of our thesis on midsections? Well, I mean, you asked me for money at the end on this champion-level Patreon, which I can only assume was some kind of bribery in which you blackmail me for money. Otherwise, flawless, great hypothetical study of an item that challenges everything we've ever built or known or loved, which I can't ask for more. I think think that's a win. That's a win for us. (laughs) Student high five. Yeah. Who's that Pokemon? It's colossal. Kenny, what has happened in the moments following your return to present day Formia? Well, I I think the poker-powered people, through a combined effort of weird poker powers, sheer force, and of course Joltik doing some electric buggy stuff, they managed to get the hole big enough for Kenny and Luan to squeeze out. Not before, however, Kenny swipes all of the confiscated pokeballs. As well, oh. <laughs> the wallets. Yes, get his mugs. Uncanny thing ever. <laughs> Sorry, yes, you've got it. You've recovered all the pokeballs from that that transport as well. So I've got a pokeball with an electric guitar on it. Rodri, I'm going to assume that's you. No, um, that's me. Oh, yeah. rock on, my brother. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, so we fade up on a small campfire that's been built. Tallahassee Bingeworth lounging in an improvised hammock tied between two of the prisoner cars. The two church acolytes, Ainsley and Abelforth, have discovered a wild slugma, 
nestled in a rocky crevice, and the pair delight in teaching the wide-eyed blab and farb the majesty of roasting marshmallows. Kenny, you find yourself sat in an awkward silence between the woman you'd been trapped in the high-security prisoner car with, Luan, and her mohawk-haired son, Rodri. Rodri stokes the fire, pointedly, sending sparking embers crackling around the floor. Rodri's girlfriend, Tallulah, sits close to him, squeezing the knee on his torn, tight jeans reassuringly. How are you going to break the silence? So I had a funny dream last night. <laughs> Tallulah pipes up. Oh, did you? Did you, Kenny? That's that's uh, that's nice. Yeah, nice mm. to just hear someone's voice, really, in this little campfire area. What was your dream, Kenny? Um, I dreamed I went to a magical place where I met a god and then doomed mankind forever. All right, yeah. Yeah, I usually just dream that I'm flying or something. Like an emulga, but that's that's fun. That's fun. Well, the thing is, Tallulah, when you can kind of actually fly, you don't really dream about that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I suppose I'm kind of small fry in that respect. Yeah, yeah. Mm, I bet you don't dream about poop and electricity. <laughs> I certainly don't. No, that no. is a that is an everyday nightmare for me, Kenny. So I don't really need to regress to sleep to live through mm. that. I've been dreaming about having a mother for a while because I guess I haven't had a mother. Okay, let's address the elephant in the room, and I don't mean the... There's a dolphin! A dolphin on the horizon! (laughs) (coughs) Rodri, I'm I'm so sorry, but you have to... You have to understand, I left for your own good, for everyone's good. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, having a mum, not not actually any good for anyone. I know. I could have hurt you, Rodri, at any time. We know you did. No, don't worry. That was that happened. This is annoying because I actually had felt like I was over it, and you know, girlfriend Tallulah and I, we, I was pretty, pretty set with like, okay, this is what my life is going to be now. My mum decided that her life was going to be better off without me in it, so that's fine. And now you're here, and I, to be honest, I don't really know what to do. Kenny, you got these powers, right? Tallulah's got these powers. Surely you don't have to just up and leave, up and just ditch whoever you know you hang out with your mates but they seem fine right well to be honest with you rodri yes but I see can't. that mum kenny would walk no, out on anyone no, rodri, kenny wouldn't ah uh, actually there are some significant parallels between my story and uh, and your mother's i did almost word for word exactly what she did and um my sister kind of word for word had exactly the same reaction that you're having <laughs> It's almost thematic. Yes, but life doesn't work like that. So these are just (laughs) happenstances that just keep falling my way. Purely random. Purely coincidental. Far pops up. I met a go-goat once. What does that mean? (laughs) Sorry, I'll go. Look, I've been speaking to a very wise and clever bunny-shaped doctor recently. And... um, I was having problems with my fedora here, and can he let's out Honchcrow? Honch, Honchcrow! And Fedora, she will confirm this. We were not getting on that well, were we, Fedora? But Honchcrow takes out Dr. a picture Bunnerby. of Kenny and punches it. <laughs> Honch! But, but that was how Fedora felt about a month ago. Honch. Fortunately, Dr. Bunnelby helped us to listen to each other and realise where the other person was coming from. Now... Uh, Honchcrow does this to my picture. Honchcrow kisses the picture. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I don't like that sound. Oh, I do not like that sound. <laughs> I think you both just need to shut up for one minute and let the other person talk until they're done talking and really listen and try to understand why. Let's give that a go. Luan, you go first. Um... <clears throat> Luanne looks like she's struggling a little and she actually reaches into one of her pockets and pulls out the lozenge that you gave her in the prisoner car, Kenny, and is just turning it in her fingers. It's sticky. Despite her discomfort, she speaks up. Kenneth, here, spoke to me in the prisoner car. (sighs) Rodri, I was lost. I had given up. I saw myself not as as a mother, not even as a human anymore, but as a monster. And I was ready to be treated as such. And monsters don't deserve sons or families. (coughs) But I spoke to Kenneth, and Kenneth said that if you let your past determine your future, then there's no point in learning, and that there is hope for me. 
<coughs> maybe I am still not totally in control. And then Luan just takes the lozenge and puts it in and sucks in it a couple of times. And you just hear her voice relax a little. <sighs> but I know that <coughs> even if I don't totally trust myself, it's our loved ones being able to trust us that gets us through. And I want to try that. Thank you, Luan. Rodri, it's your go now. What? You say this now. You say, oh, you, you're ready to be trusted by us and, and you're ready to be my mum again, to be a part of my life again. But what's to stop something bad happening and you feeling it all over again and you leave again and it all just, it just keeps happening. Bad thing happens, it gets too much, you leave. I just don't want to be in this cycle. I mean, I've got someone in my life. She's great. Granted, her powers seem a lot less intense than yours. We're not going to go into what those powers are now. Thanks, babe. This is an emotional scene. Thank you very much. Uh, No worries. No worries, babe. No worries. Rodri, if you don't mind. (laughs) And Luan looks at Kenny, and I think she holds out a hand to you, Kenny. Kenny takes it. Luan gives it a squeeze. Kenneth told me, find your gang. (coughs) Look out for each other. That's all you can do. We don't know anything about the future. Nobody does. That would be crazy. Time travels doesn't exist. But what I do know, Rodri, is that I want to be there for you. If you want me to be there for you. Yeah, Mum, of course I want you to be there for me. That's that's mad. That's like saying, you know, do I want to eat food? Yes. Do I want to exist? Yes. Like, of course I want you around. You're my mum. And I just, I just want you to say it honestly. Just say, Rodri, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you. <laughs> and I think Rodri just hugs, goes and hugs uh, Luan. Yeah, and to Luan. <laughs> I didn't forget my mum's name there. That was, that, was, <laughs> that was Tom. That was Tom describing it. I just, how long, how long have you been away, mum? Was it, was it Lu- <laughs> Ludif- 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 Ludicrous? Alana. Alana. <laughs> Love disc? No. Ludicrous. <laughs> Kenny, how do you react? I think Kenny, for a moment, sees the scene between him and Melissa sort of repeat itself and thinks, wow, I use an experience from my life that, and something that I learnt from to benefit others. I think Kenny remembers something else that he learnt about poker powers not too long ago. Goes into his um, pocket and pulls out the sort of rest of the lozenges. And as Rodri and Tallulah disembrace, Kenny says to Luan, one thing that might help you, Luan, I sort of noticed a bit of a positive reaction when you held on to the lozenge. Now, this is not confirmed, but there's a theory that poker powers are more easy to control if there's some sort of conduit, an item by which they can be channeled or protected. Definitely not a scrunchie, though. Don't yeah, try and use a do, scrunchie. Don't use a scrunchie. But maybe, maybe a lozenge maybe or a lozenge. several might be enough for you. I want you to take this and use it whenever you feel like you've got that, that sweat on the back of your neck or your, your palms go sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. If there's vomit on your sweater already, pop a lozenge in there. <laughs> <laughs> Rodri nestled in Luanne's bosom. It's like, you know the thing I've missed the most, Mum? You spaghetti? <laughs> and Luan takes the, the packet of lozenges from you, Kenny, and holds them tight with a smile and goes, <coughs> Thank you, Kenneth. You're a very calming individual, Kenneth. Has anyone ever told you that? Increasingly so. And at that moment, Blab and Farb, well, I think Farb was already there chatting about go-goats, but Blab as well comes to join I'm their friend. I'm still here. I can believe. <laughs> well, I'm here now too. Blarb, this is me. Uh, they approach from the marshmallow roasting area where they were with Ainsley and Abel Forth. Blarb speaks up. Um, excuse me. It's me, Blarb. The, uh, the other one. Oh, hi, Blarb. We don't hear you speak as much. No, I know. I'm basically not Farb. That's, uh, that's kind of my, <laughs> kind of my thing. But I, I, I want to say something right now. Kenny, you have poker powers. I, I guess I have poker powers. And like Luan, I've been scared a lot. It's It's been scary, especially when you get arrested and taken to a horrible mega prison. 
Yes, I can imagine why that'd be scary. Yeah, it is scary. As a child. As a, a really small <laughs> child. Yep, yep, really, really awful. Kenny, maybe this is crazy. I trust you. Is there anything we poker pirates could do? I almost see you as as a leader figure. Maybe it's because you're so much older than me. And Fab is like, um, yeah, I, I, I could kind of see that too. You're, you're pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, there is something you guys could do. I can't always protect you guys, but you can protect each other. You can protect the ones you love. Someone who I think is out to not protect you and instead is out to use you. She's called Frey. She has very normal dress sense and white hair. <laughs> you'll notice her from her flip-flops, sarong, waistcoat and popped collar. I know she blends in with the crowd, but I think you'll still notice her. Huh. Luan, you've met her. I've met her. Everyone, I think she's dangerous. I don't know why she comes across very reasonable. Every time I speak to her, whether it's in person, in a vision or in a burning tree, don't ask, I'm weird. I feel uneasy. I can't quite explain it, but I don't trust her. And I trust literally everyone. Even me? Especially you, Farb. You're the most... You have literally never done anything to make me not trust you. You just look, wait. Look, I can see I can see my friends coming in the distance. They're, they're trustworthy people. I rely on them and they rely on me. Find, find your gang. Find your team. Learn to trust each other and learn to protect each other. But please... Be careful around this woman. I think Luan says, Kenny, you've done so much for me. And remember, I turned myself in. I know how to keep out of trouble. And and I'll commit now to keeping my family. And yes, I'm including Blob and Farb in this. Yes! Out of trouble as well. Yes! Come on! <laughs> you've got such a tragic <laughs> backstory. Mom! Smash cut to Blob and Farb's actual families. <laughs> Someone's like... <laughs> Oh, I hope our children are okay and not running off. <laughs> if you don't have families, which I'm assuming you, you don't. No, it's cool, we don't, we're good. You can join our family and <laughs> we are free and available. <laughs> Tallulah pipes up and she's like, I think we, all of us here right now, we should promise that if we see someone in need, we should do what Kenny would do. And we should we should protect them. What would Kenny do? Yes, I love it. What would Kenny do? <laughs> Thanks, guys. That really means a lot to me. Brandy, Theo, you have rejoined the small encampment and are now... The the main campfire has died out and it's a little bit later in the evening. Blab and Farb have definitely gone to bed. Um, Tallulah and Roger and Luan are locked in their own familial conversation, catching up on some, some lost time. Ainsley and Abelforth are huddled around the church car, looking ready to discuss if anything needs to be discussed with them. And Tallahassee Bingeworth has come up to you and the three of you are around your own little fire that you've built as you you sit down and allow the the starlight sky above you to to shine down are we actually around the ember hum of lightning mcqueen yes oh that's nice yes okay so lightning mcqueen has just gone to to rest between all of you tired from a day of speeding and the red hot <laughs> coals are just glowing a dull orange as the fire emanates so i'm all for chaos but that lower sanctum sounds like a terrible idea <laughs> you, for once I agree with you Kenny It's um, <laughs> But it is our only hope Brandy what happened to your cape <gasps> Oh Kenny I'm really not ready to talk about it If that's okay I'm ready to talk about it She burnt it She burnt it on a cliffside It, it, it may have torn into pieces Kenny And <gasps> I'm still upset about it Even I like that And I barely like any clothes To be honest I'm probably more likely to wear it Now that it's burnt to a crisp <laughs> 
You're welcome to my burnt Please, burnt please cape. don't. If I give it to him, I just kind of want to know where he wears it. If you try and give him that cape, I'm going to throw it into that Everburn tree and I'm never going to see it ever again. I'm going to burn it for an eternity. Theo, you need to, you need to take the win. We beat Warden Vipen. Yeah, it almost makes me um like Slowpokes again, which is a complex emotion that I'm going to have to... Speaking of Slowpokes, I had the weirdest dream earlier, but I don't think it's relevant, so I'm not going to share it with you. No, I'm going to need to hear a little bit, little bit more there, uh, Kenny. I, <laughs> no, it's you, isn't it? So I think we know that something's gone on, gone on a ride. Last are we time... really at that point where we're going to talk to each other about our dreams? Oh God, well, are, we yeah. bo- are we both? Friends? I think I agree with Brandy. I mean, what do dreams mean, right? Exactly. I'm with Kenny here, Theo. Whatever goes on in Kenny's mind is in Kenny's mind. I really don't want to go back in there. Our plan. It. Um. I think it went off without a hitch. The plan was to get in the core, and we are currently outside of the Well, core. if you think about it, the plan was to find a way into the core. And apparently we've just got to go through the charcoal tunnels. Now, Correct. How are we going to know how to get through the charcoal tunnels? I'm going to assume here that Lightning McQueen, don't wake him up. He's having a sleep. Charcoal, I'm sure, can guide us a bit of the way, I'm sure. What I'm more worried about is actually being inside the core and what we're actually going to find there and what the church are actually doing. Can we call over those two church people? Can we I think that sounds like a good them, idea. Without them mm. knowing that they're being interrogated, you know. So basically, Theo, you sh- you can't really ask them any questions. Cause... Hey, Slowpoke says he wants you to come over here. Oh, um, okay. Okay. We're coming. Yeah. With... <laughs> Maybe no. just the first one. Hang on. Hang on, mate. Yeah, all right. Yeah, we're both coming out. Coming over. <laughs> No, definitely. Slowpoke says just the first one. Yeah, yeah. Slowpoke said just the first. Oh, I'm actually. I'm actually. It quite feels nervous. like overkill. I'm quite nervous. Okay, yeah. So I will. I will let Ainsley take take the lead here. Oh, right. good. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's me, Ainsley. All right. Right. Talk to me. Okay. Are you not going to bow before your lord, Slowpoke? Of of course. I've got. Uh, yeah, we're bowing. We're bowing. And the Slowpoke is curled up on Theo's lap. Slowpoke. Oh. Just feeling very comfortable around Theo right now. All right, all right. So we've we've bowed. Um, is there anything else we could do for Lord Slowpoke? We were just wondering. I mean, Slowpoke was just wondering. Is there somewhere in the prison that's like churchy, the kind of place where maybe something important might be hidden? Mm, of course, I'm a very very lowly member of the church. I I don't know what they might have there, but I know there is the chaplaincy. That's where we were going. Are you representatives of Slowpoke? Yeah, excuse me. I'm repping Slowpoke all day, every day. Look at my pink hair. Come on. Are you saying I need to dye my hair? Yes, that is what I'm saying, but obviously we can't do that right now. All right, he sticks his head into the car <laughs> just... Oh, God. No, no. Oh, God, dear Lord, no. <laughs> no, no, we let him do it. We let him do it. <laughs> she made that decision. It's burning orange. Is this what you wanted? Slowpoke. Please help me put put it out if if this is what you wish. No, I'll put it out. I'll put it out. Gyarados <laughs> unleashes a torrent of water. Oh. <laughs> yes. It's like a tsunami. <laughs> it just completely drenches them. Thanks, moustache. Okay. Love you. So these church acolytes are just sopping wet there in front of you now, like <sighs> shivering. <sighs> what do you need? What do you need? You might have a better understanding of the layout of the chaplaincy and. You know, might be able to help us along the way. Well, there is another option. We do have some spare robes in our church car. More clothes? Yes. I mean, they are garments, religious garments, but yes, clothes, if you will. Are they of different ranks? I don't know. I haven't haven't checked. I would imagine they're just... Shotgun the highest rank. I (laughs) I would imagine they're probably just, you know, spares for us, so we can go get them if you want. I mean, it's got to be useful, right? Okay. Yeah, for sure. Okay, go prepare our cloaks. And they disappear to go and fetch some robes. As Ainsley and Ableforth walk away, Brandy notices on her shoulder something very small and very spider-like. Come here, little fella. Don't worry, I'll protect you from the big, scary, pink-haired lady. It's okay. It's okay. Little eyebrows fella. Seeing as we're so good at protecting each other, do you fancy continuing to protect each other? Jolty. Is that a yes? Yes! <laughs> the Jolty nods affirmatively with his <gasps> tiny yellow beady head. You know what that means? I get to draw a new thing on my Pokeball. 
Here, take this pen that's at least twice your size. You draw on it. And Jota gets crushed way worse than they would have by Brandy's hand. Take seven harm. Now, the Joltic struggles with the pen and draws a terribly crudely drawn. What do you want the Joltic to draw, Ellie? I literally have Googled a picture of a Joltic, and I think I'm going to name it after its startlingly blue eyebrows. It's going to be Fleek. Um, so he's going to draw two Nike ticks <laughs> mirroring okay. each other. They're really, really poorly drawn. Kenny thinks they're beautiful. Mustache, the Gyarados in the back's like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. So to clarify, Kenny now has Fleek the Joltic in his Lovely. Pokemon team. Tallahassee appears from the tent. Oh. I would I would like to know, this is Tallahassee speaking, definitely not the GM. I would sort of like to know what the plan that you've decided is, either way, so that I can sort of mentally prepare. The Tallahassee, next you're here for your looks. You don't need to mentally prepare <laughs> all right, anything. All right, all right. Yes, but just in case, just imagine. let's... let's Let's let Theo explain it to you. Well, I believe the plan was uh, we were going to use Lightning McQueen to find these car coal colossal tunnels, use those as a way into the lowest atom of the core, and then as a backup, we have the ability to disguise ourselves as members of the church chaplaincy if anybody sees us. Basically, okay. once we get into the core, which I'm assuming we're going to do because of Lightning McQueen is going to help, we're just going to pretend to be members be church of the church. people. Which is easy because I've been around Theo for long enough. Here, I'll do an impression right now. What's that? Hmm, that doesn't look good. Oh, what's this? Hmm, oh, I disagree with that on moral principles. Classic. Oh, this is fun. Let me try. I know everything, but I'm not going to tell you. Oh, no, I'll do one. I'll do one better. Go, my Pokemon. Are oh, they lost? Brandy, that was just an impression of every battle you've ever had. <laughs> no, Theo, I was clearly doing an impression of you, and you can try and pretend that I wasn't, but I can't hear your comeback because I'm saying goodnight with Tallahassee Pinchworth. Good night, everybody. Well, Kenny, night. at least I've got you. Oh, always, Theo. Do you want a bunk in my tent tonight? Kenny doesn't have a tent. Kenny was like gesturing to just a rock. Ainsley and Ableforth, <laughs> I've always got you. <laughs> <laughs> And with that, I think we fade down on the little encampment on the side of this this rocky path, heading off to bed, the campfires being extinguished, Tallulah, Luan and Rodri finding a space to sleep and share as a family. Blab and Farb have joined them as surrogate family. Ainsley and Abelforth sleeping in the church car, and Brandy, Theo and Kenny in their respective places. And that is where we will leave our heroes for now. Just before Kenny goes to sleep, he goes, uh, wait a minute, why aren't we just sleeping on the ship? We cut to Theo's bedroom and Adri Fomonsk is in the bed just like, yes, yes, yes. Long may this continue. <laughs> yes. And there we go, the end of Rock Slide. What a nice arc. I love a five episode arc, I don't know what it is, but the five episode arcs just feel right, you know? And this one, we went all over the place. We even went a thousand years into the past in this arc, so well done Rock Slide, well done. It's that time at the end of the podcast where I like to thank people for being great. So first I'd like to thank Michael Sands, who created Monster of the Week, which is the base of the game Pocket Monster of the Week, which we have all adapted to create the game we're playing today. Um, I'd also like to thank the wonderful Braxton Burks and the Materia Collective for the albums Canto Symphonies and Johto Legends and Time and Space, uh, along with the musical stylings of Glitch X City and added sounds today from Epidemic Sounds, which is great. Thank you, Epidemic. I'd also like to thank the creators of Pokemon, Satoshi Tajiri and Junichi Masada. And this is the point where I remind you that we're a fan-made, not-for-profit podcast and have no affiliation with Game Freak or the Pokemon Company whatsoever. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm fe- <laughs> I feel a bit, feel a bit polony, a bit hay fevery. So this is has my usual zest, but I'm, we're gonna we're gonna muddle through. I'd like to as well thank, of course, our wonderful patrons who are just incredible, incredible, incredible people. So here we go. Thank you, Atlas Moth. Thank you, Scott M. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Turtle Lover. Thank you, Joel Williams. Thank you, Hi Killy. Thank you, Keiko Pin Cosplay. Thank you, Big Fat Nuke. Thank you, Jonah Jackson. Thank you, Trigula, aka Aurora. Thank you, Josh Anderson. Thank you, Alchemage. 
Thank you, Cesar Trevino. Thank you, Force Majeure Pod. Thank you, Gigi T. I love Gigi. Gigi. Gigi, but I like Gigi. Thank you, Crandon Creations. Thank you, Eric Eikinger. Thank you, Millamois. And thank you, Ginny Voss. Thank you, Alistair Collinson, aka the Game Master. And thank you to our newest patron, Jerembi. Thank you, Jerembi. It does mean a lot. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast in this way. It is very much appreciated. The eagle-eared among you will have heard the dulcet northern tones of Millamoy or Millamois. I never know which it is, um, but I think we can all agree that they did an excellent job giving us the previously at the top of this ep. If you would like to have a previously um, on Critical Ditto at the top of an episode, you can if you support us at the Pokemon Champion tier on Patreon. And Millamois, Millamoy, you gave us all some Miller joy. Is that, is that rude? No, that's fine. That's fine. I'll leave that in. And I'd also like to thank everyone for listening to the podcast, because that is the greatest support you can give, is just listening and enjoying, and that makes us so, so happy. And finally, I'd like to thank David Stew and Ali for another great ep. Well done, guys. Well done. Handshakes all round. And I guess that's it. That's all I have to say. Oh, wait! <laughs> My catchphrase. Go catch them all. And by all, I mean your dreams. I will do it when everybody's doing small talk with Rob, with Tom. Oh, hell. Did you just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Did you just call him Rot? Yeah. <laughs> Please tell it's... me that you got that recorded, Stu. I did, I did, I did. Oh, I am so desperate for this. Rot. Live to be over. Oh. Just so... Rot day on.